Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Voice of Adoptees, which brings together diverse and unique voices from around the world to share their stories. If you liked today's episode, remember to give us a like, subscribe, and leave a review. Here's your host, David Shunk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Voice of Adoptee. Tonight, we have Ilya, who's adopted from Russia, joining us. Kind of know each other a little bit back. He was on uh, a lot of Zoom calls with me with Russian adoptees, a lot of a lot of chats, a lot of late night chats. So we kind of have mm-hmm. a connection that way. But welcome back, Ilya. It's been a while, but Thanks. we're glad you're here and glad that you want to share your story. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So yeah. uh, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? My name is uh, Ilya Bailey. I am uh, 27 years old. I live uh, up here in tropical Rochester, New York. <laughs> oh, I bomb you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, good summers, cold winters. Um, I, I grew up here pretty much my whole life. Grew up in a nice suburban house, and now we live in the city of Rochester, right in the middle of the city here. Yeah, I've been here for 25 years. In the United States. And of course, I was adopted from Russia, as you said, adopted at 18 months old uh, in 1997 and became a U.S. citizen in 1998. Born right in South Moscow. Yep. Yep. A true believer over there. (laughs) That's awesome. That's great. So you were adopted by, you know, adoptive family in New York. Did you have any siblings or anything? Yeah. So the interesting story is I have an American sister here. So I I have a a bunch of family, you know, and, and still in Moscow, Russia and here in Rochester. I have a sister who actually bought the house next door to us. It was up for sale, and her and her husband looked at it, and they bought it. So, well, small world, you that's, know? <laughs> that's, that's great. Yep. Um, her name is Claire. She's my sister. She's 30 years old. She also is adopted, but she was adopted in the United States, too. So, her story is, you know, a little different than mine. I, you know, it, it sort of depends on how you want to word it. But she was sort of adopted the day she was born, so it was... You know, being adopted within the United States is a very different structure and, you know, how things go, the matter of that. So it was very cool growing up and, and you know, being able to share our connection of, of being adopted and, and sort of being proud of that. Did you get deep with her about, like, emotional talks about adoption or, I mean, with your story and especially in, I mean, you know, they're two different stories, of course, but did you include her in a lot of the process as you were going through different stages? Yeah. It, you know, I reached out to her more and more as, as I was getting older and sort of to search for my biological family. Cause of course, you know, I, I was given a great life here and everything like that. And no worries. I had no troubles growing up. I had a big family, great family, very fortunate, of course. And as I got older, I said, hey, Claire, you know, she sort of had a relationship with her biological mom. And I, you know, was sort of a little bit jealous of that, you know, and I wanted to reach out to her and say, hey, uh, like, how do I deal with these emotions? How do I get through this and everything like that? And and she was going through some of the same stuff. You know, it's it's not easy, no matter where you're adopted from and everything like that. So right. everyone goes. Absolutely. Through. We all go through different you know, our own way, really. I mean, everyone yeah. processes information different, yeah. and that that's great. When did you start to get really curious about 
you know, your other side, so to speak. I mean, when you were growing up, did you ever think about it a lot or did you not really get interested to older kind of talk about how you got into, uh, you know, start exploring your other side? That's a good question. Thank you. You know, I, I would say 2017, 2018 was sort of the tipping point. And I was like, hey, you know, I know I have documents and, and things like that. And maybe I've seen them growing up. But as I kept getting older and older, uh, it was actually my birthday. So every birthday, you know, I'd have a birthday and maybe age 17 or 16, I was like, hey, I was born today, but in another country with a whole nother family. And I just went, oh my gosh, I have another mother. And and on the on this day, on my birthday, what is she thinking? She Maybe she doesn't know where I am or, you know, who knows? So I, as I get older, I was like, huh, my birthday to me has sort of changed in the way of thinking. It, it's, you know, it's, I'm like, I'm a little more emotional about it. It's a little sad for me to think like that. And I was like, you know what? The reason why I sort of reached out and started to do searching is because, you know, I was like, you know what, that lady over in Russia, whoever she is, if she's around, she deserves at least answers, at least to know where I am and who I am and what became of me. So that's great. That's no, I mean, you and I share that opinion very much. I, a big part of me wanted to find my (laughs) biological family just so my biological mother knew that you know, I'm alive, I'm well, because just like you put it great when you said, you know, mm-hmm. on, on your birthday, what is she thinking? You know, I mean, yeah. where's my yeah. child? I gave birth to this kid. Is he alive? We <laughs> yeah. don't know. To kind of look at it from another point of view, it's motivating enough to want to say, okay, let's stop mm-hmm. for a minute. Let's be human beings. Let's be rational and think it, right. think if like, if it was us, what if we were fathers of kids? We didn't know about it. I mean, you know, we'd want to at least make sure they're okay. Right. Again, no, stepping in their shoes. And and I just thought it's only fair. It's only human nature, I guess, in a way you could say you're curious, you know, and and I just went, you know what, at least if she wants to know who I am, good. If not, at least tell her where I am and, and what's the whole story about that. So, but I can explain that, of course, more in detail as we go along. Were your adopted parents? supporting you uh, while you were curious and wanting to know more about your family in Russia? Were they supportive about it? Yes. Yeah. They they were very supportive. They understand a lot about that, even though themselves aren't adopted or anything like that. It's uh, actually one of my aunts is adopted into our family. When she was a little girl, my grandmother came home and said, hey, this is going to be your new sister. And uh, that's my aunt, Debbie. So she does understand, you know, being welcomed into a family, even though it's sort of not yours. So my father knew uh, sort of how to deal with that and channel that in a way. But my parents said, hey, we did adopt this kid from Russia. It's only fair to, if he's curious about who he is or where he's from, it's only fair to say, okay, we'll, we'll help you along and let you explore the, this country and this culture. And, you know, it's a whole different world over there. So my parents were very accepting because they adopted someone who, you know, wasn't from here. And like I was saying, you know, it's only fair, I guess, is so, so the only words I can sort of put it is the best way to describe it, I guess. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. When you were growing up, did you ever, I'm trying to think how you politely say this, were you ever picked on for being adopted? 
Yeah, I mean, a, a little bit. As you get older, you know, uh, teenager years and going through middle school, definitely my name is sort of a first indicator. Is A lot of kids would say, hey, your name isn't, you know, Joe or Sean or something like that. And they would say, oh, why is your name like that? Or, or they would say, why is it different? And I didn't even know at the time, but... You know, I, I sort of, throughout my childhood, my parents would always say, oh, you're adopted, but we, we love you very much and you're part of this family and everything like that. So I sort of got through the teenage years and growing up in late elementary schools. It was pretty okay. You know, I, I'm too picked on, but I've noticed it more and more as, as I grew up, I guess, a little bit. Did it ever bother you that you didn't know a lot of information about your biological family? Yeah, I, I think it was more, I would later come to find out that we had quite a few documents, actually. I just, I think it was sort of unfair to myself that I wasn't curious enough or I didn't pursue it earlier from what I know now. I mean, growing up, I'm a regular American kid. I I don't know, you know, how to describe it as, as you're sort of living in your culture now and you're so encased in it or surrounded by it that you know, oh, Ilya, you were, you were adopted from Russia. Okay, cool. In middle school or, or late elementary school, I just say, oh, that's cool. But then as I got older, I went, wait, hold on. You know, let me think about this. Let me explore it more. Let me question more. Things like that. You made a good statement about saying that you kind of blame yourself in some ways for not exploring this other side of you or knowing enough information that you do now. So let's put this in perspective. And my question is, if you knew what you know now about your family in Russia or anything Mm -hmm. more that you didn't know back then when you were younger, would that change your perception, do you think? It definitely, if I knew everything from growing up, maybe if I learned this stuff in middle school or at least asked about it more, then I would be like, hey, I have a brother. I've only grown up here in the United States with my sister. If I grew up knowing I had a brother or at least contacted him, I'd, that would sort of change the perspective, right? Because if you're growing up without a brother, it's different than growing up with just a sister. You're, you got your loving sister who's always nagging on you, picking on you. You know, imagine having a brother. I'm like, oh, cool. And, you know, hanging out jumping in the creek or i had an older brother and it consisted of four swimming exercises under the water snowballs in the face a lot of really fun brotherly bonding moments of course yeah it really changed how i would think and i'd be like oh man a brother because when i did find more information about my family i was like oh my gosh my brother like how how cool is that just to, to sort of think about it it still blows my mind to this day i'm like man i have a I have a brother, I have a guy who looks just like me over in Moscow. Well, let's get into that part. Let's let's yeah. talk about how you found this information, the discovery. Do you remember exactly what time and what you were doing when you found out the first time you got any information about your family? Yeah, I, I was working at the hospital. I, I was a phlebotomist and I had a coworker and he was Ukrainian and he said, Ilya, but your name is Ilya. And he was like, oh, you must be proud of who you are. Ilya is a saint. And he was explaining all these things. And he's like, you know what, Ilya? I want to go out and find your family. And because he knows how to speak Russian and Ukrainian and I think Polish, too. You know, he grew up there. And why not? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He said, ask your parents for your documents. 
take a picture of him and send him to me. I came over to his house one night and I just brought him over and uh, I showed it to him because it's in Russian and everything. And my parents, of course, were very open about, okay, here's your documents. Here's everything we have. We're not hiding anything. We're not concealing anything. It's your right to have them. You know, this is who you are and this is the process that we went through. And we don't know anything about this. You know, they don't know anything about speaking Russian or reading Russian or anything. So I gave him all those documents. He called throughout the night. He actually contacted my orphanage first for legal permission, I guess, just to know that there isn't a guy calling around trying to find this child's parents, you know. But yeah, he called me on the phone on October 2nd, I believe in 2019, woke me up at 2.30 in the morning or 2.35 in the morning and was like, Ilya, I found your family. I was, I, I know, I, I sat up in bed and I just, it's almost like a rush of adrenaline. I was like, oh my gosh. I was, you know, are you sure? Are, you know, are you 100%? And he's like, oh, Ilya, because of actually the information from when you were adopted, I had plenty of information. I had addresses, which matched up, actually. I had passport number belonging to a family member, which is very hard to find. And what he questioned and was calling them and everything like that, the turns out the passport numbers matched. The first question I asked later when I met her was, what well, was my birthday? And she said the correct date, first thing. That was one of the first questions I asked her. I was so nervous. And of course, my heart was pounding. I didn't sleep for the rest of the night or the night after because he was like, oh, Ilya, I'll talk to you in the morning. I'm very tired. I got to go to bed. I called all night. He was up for multiple hours. In the end, he I owe him so much. You know, he changed my world, you know, because I was on one road, which was, you know, growing up as an American kid. And now all of a sudden there's a huge fork in the road. There's a huge, sort of how I think about it is like, there's a life not knowing your Russian family or anything about Russia. And all of a sudden, now you know your family. Now you're, it's in another direction is the best way I can sort of describe it. It's like, now I'm on another road in life is like, now I know my Russian family. It's a whole different ball game. You know, I, I have another mother. I had to sit up for hours and just think about, you know, what do I say? What next, you know? <laughs> How do you balance the two families out? Well, that's a good question. I talk to each family equally. Of course, I treat both of my mothers, my adopted and biological, equally. They both have given me a lot in life. I think about it like one gave me the opportunities to succeed here in the United States, and the other gave me life, right? Even though it was a sad situation, she did give another extremely hard choice of giving me up during that rough time, however it happens in Russia, to let me go here to the United States to thrive. So in a way, both mothers have sort of sacrificed a lot and given me a lot more than I can repay back. So I I treat them with equal respect and I try to talk to them as much as I can. I love them both very much, of course. You got to love your mother, you know? Your mama. The mothers know you best. That's what they say. Mm -hmm. At any point, was your adopted mother offended in any way mm -hmm. that you would speak about your biological mother in her point of view you just met and you're trying to put her on the same platform? 
maybe I I feel like things might have shifted a little bit and how I my I see my mother or how my mother sees me you know there's always because now I have another mother right and I've never known that for my whole life again I think my mother and my father here in the, in the United States were very open and saying hey you can call her whatever you would like we respect that my parents would always say, oh, we, we love her very much, even though we don't know her because she gave us you. She let us have you in a way. I would always, when I'm talking about my biological mother, I would always pause, though, before talking with my mom here in the United States and, and say, oh, my, mo-, you know, my, my mama, my mother, my, or sometimes I'd use her first name, which at first it, it was a little confusing for me inside my head. You know, what do I call her? What do I call her in front of this family? What do I call her when I'm in front of her? Or how do I talk to her about my mom here? It is it is challenging. I will say for your adoptive mother in the United States for being so open and saying, mm-hmm. call her what you'd like, that takes a lot of courage. Because I've heard a lot of adoptive parents, especially adoptive mothers, who feel very, again, strongly and their voice their opinion. But, you know, that's fine. Everyone has has the right to voice their opinion, you know. Yeah. We're not siding with anyone. We're just we're sharing, you know, our true feelings, and that's okay, you know. Yeah. We're expressing it. But I just want to say it takes a lot of courage of what your adoptive yeah. parents are doing and have done. So they definitely deserve a big thank you, that's for sure. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. When you found uh, your family in Russia, it was your biological mother you found first, Mm -hmm. or then who came after that? Like, how many relatives did you end up getting in contact with? Primarily, it was my mother. uh, In her apartment was her boyfriend, I guess you would say, her significant other, and my sister and my niece, Anya. That's who sort of found out first. I'm not sure how Anatoly contacted them directly, maybe even just a home phone. (laughs) Things in Russia can be accessed pretty easily. You know, there's not as much, what what do you say, like uh, safeguards, I guess. You can sort of just call maybe even the police station and say, hey, I'm looking for an address for this lady, such and such. and, And maybe sometimes they'll just give it to you. There's no privacy laws or, you know, things there's Definitely different in that country, and especially, yeah. you know, with the circumstances right now, that, that's a whole yeah. other conversation. I've had that experience, too, where it seems like, especially if you're adopted from Russia, there's a lot of people in the country that are sympathetic for you and are willing to help, and especially when you tell them that you're interested in where you're from and your culture and your yeah. background. It, it, they want to feel like they're helping out a fellow, you know, person that is coming back in their eyes, coming home to learn about where they're from and be proud and explore that part. Yeah. So it's really fun to meet those people because you can get a really positive experience from it. When you started to communicate with family members, did they ask a lot of questions about your childhood? Did you send a lot of photos of your birthdays? Like, what did you guys kind of, (laughs) if, if you don't mind sharing, what did you guys talk about? Yeah, we sort of caught them up pretty quickly about who I am there was a little confusion in the beginning about my name because I believe our name was changed, not by my American family. They just sort of, they had my name and they sort of wanted to keep it as cultural as they could, you know? So Ilya is a very Slavic name, but they had just as many questions as I did. It's They were in shock just as much as, as I was. 
of course, my sister told me later, she sat down with my mom and, and they sort of had a deeper conversation about who is he? And then I sort of had an idea of who that you had a, another son, but they would just sort of ask me about what I'm doing now. Do I have a car? Where do I live? What do you do for work? You know, sort of things like that. And then we we sort of shifted the side roads, I guess, or like the, the small details between all the big stories or big information, you know. I don't know. It's it's a lot. I, I was I'm trying to remember all those years ago, even though <laughs> all those years ago wasn't that just like four years ago, three years ago. Well, you you think it's recent, but it's like uh, you try to remember all the details about what happened that that October day, and you know what were all the questions that were asked. And I'm trying to remember, but I think it's even that whole first week. It was sort of just a blur because my whole world was changing. It was a lot was going on. My my sleep schedule was completely thrown off. It's sort of in a good way. It's like I would sit up at night and just think about all these questions I wanted to ask them when they wake up. I totally understand that. I did the same thing. And, you know, I actually just remembered you mentioned when you got this information, it was 2.30-ish in the morning. And it's funny Mm -hmm. because that's the same time that it happened for me as well. So I also woke up and I'm like, uh, what? And it's like, no, this is a joke, right? And then the the gentleman that searched for me, he unfortunately passed away, but he was an awesome guy. He's an Englishman named Tony Carruthers. He actually lived in my city, my land. He sent me this email and he's like, we found your grandmother and some cousins. And I'm, I'm like, okay, like and it was done pretty quickly. I'm like, hmm. Well, as soon as he took screenshots and I saw like social media, I'll never forget the moment I opened up this email and I saw my birth mother and her smile and it was mine to the T and I yeah. just froze. I'm like, whoa (laughs) and i just yep no sleep that day no sleep the next day i totally understand what you're saying yeah yeah it's it is a shock on both sides too and i I would ask them do you have any like questions i would constantly say do you have any other questions or can i explain things to you or if you want to you know and i was very open because my family here was very open with me so i said to my biological mother or sister or i do have a brother too I, i don't know if i mentioned that I said, if you want to see all the documents I have, I'd be more than happy to. And they they politely declined. I just wanted to be as open as I could because, you know, we, we two different worlds are clashing here and all these emotions. You know, I know what you're saying. Like, I'd see a picture of my brother for the first time and I'd be like, oh, my gosh, that's almost that's me. You know, or, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because adopted individuals like ourselves, we don't take for granted coming from people f- who were born from for no. most of for a good chunk of our life, where yeah. we get to look at them every day and say, "Oh yeah, I get my mom's eyes, I get my dad's ears, or whatever." Yeah. You know, because yeah. we we have classes. You know, I don't know if this happened to you, but I mean, in like biology or science classes, when we had to learn about genetics. And they had you yeah. fill out the X and Y chromosomes. It's like, yeah. which which parent gave you this? And I'm like, um, like, and of, of course, the teacher felt bad and she excused me from it. And I didn't have to do it. But it's things like that, that. And it means so much to us that something so tiny could like impact us, which is amazing. Yeah. And part of the reason why, you know, I'm also doing this podcast and having people come on and talk about it like you and many others is mm-hmm. adoption is such a complicated subject that society really doesn't know enough about it, I think. I don't think they are 
properly educated about it. Me personally, I think there should be more people who are adopted like us who are in like the seat decision makers calling shots about adoption laws and all this. And it, yeah. how can someone fully understand adoption and the emotions and what we are going through or different life events being adopted if right. they aren't adopted themselves? It's like talking right. to someone who hasn't gone through it. Like, Hey, I found my birth mother. I'm feeling this, this, this. And the person's yeah. like, well, sorry. Like I know my mom. It's like, okay. Did no. did you lean on any friends for uh, support through any of this? Did your friends know what to say, or were they just as shocked as you were? I would tell my friends here in the, in the states and everything, and they had their by they were born with their biological families, and and they would sort of understand it in a way. But you know, they'd be like, "Oh, cool, you found your mom." They would say that's cool, but they wouldn't really understand because they know their biological mothers and fathers, and you know, they go home to them every night, and it's. I was like, you know what? These aren't the people I sort of want to talk to about it because it's it's so hard to understand. So uh, we have a big, you know, Russian adoption community online. There's plenty of groups out there. And, you know, I think that's the best sort of atmosphere to talk to about it because everyone's sort of feeling the same way. In a way, of course, there's many different situations and everyone sort of feels differently about it a little bit. But at least you can go to this community and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. And then a lot of people would agree with you and maybe some disagree. And Yeah, no, uh, that's, that's very true. You just found this information out about four, four-ish years ago. Yeah. I assume you haven't traveled back to Russia because this uh, was... Well, I'm sorry, you can answer the question first. Oh, I did go back to Moscow. Oh, yes. oh well, great. I, I'm sorry, I just assumed because it was so close to... The pandemic and then post-pandemic yeah. and then now the political situation. I just assumed the country's been on lockdown for the last few years. But anyways, um, this is fantastic. Let's let's hear this about your trip. So I actually was deciding if I wanted to go by myself or with my parents. So I said, You guys are more than welcome to come to my American my American family. I said, you know, I want you guys to come, you know, and see Russia and and you guys got me from Moscow. You can can go back and everything like that. And it was before this political situation. So they applied for visas. They got approved. So they had visas. And then I had to go through all my passport shenanigans, I guess you could say, in a way. Yeah, you had to go to the New York consulate, right? On uh, East 91st Street? Uh, Washington, D.C., actually. Oh. I went to that. Yeah, I went to that consulate. That's the embassy in D.C.? The building right behind it is the consulate. The embassy is closed to the public. is you know It's for diplomats and things like that and government officials. But it is a cool building to see. You know, in the middle of Washington D.C., you got the the Russian flag and it's a big flag and there's a giant fence around it. But yeah, I went to Washington D.C. and I had some family there, so I stayed with them for a day. I got all my passport stuff done and everything like that. I uh, to skip ahead. Uh, I did go to Moscow during the holiday, during the New Year. I left uh, Rochester, New York on December 31st or December 30th, which actually was my Russian sister's birthday. So I, I sort of wish I left a little earlier so I could celebrate her birthday. But, I, you know, I missed it by a few hours. But I guess her present was me ar- arriving in Moscow. Did you arrive uh, with I a left- little bow on your head, too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a, pre- as a present. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I said, I am your guest. <laughs> like a joke. 
Of course, I was very nervous. I went from Rochester to JFK, and at the time, Aeroflot was still at JFK. So I went straight from New York City to Moscow. It was about a nine and a half hour flight. I, I did the same one with Aeroflot. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yep. They had good meals. Actually, they had three meals. Plenty of movies and and the you know steward and stewardesses were very nice to me. And I tried my best in Russian. I'm not fluent, unfortunately, but they could sort of pick that up and they would whisper to me, you know, do you want water, tea, or coffee? I would say, well, you know, I'll take the tea. <laughs> Trust me, they're happy that you tried. It means a lot. Yeah, I, of course. Yes, yeah. so being an international flight, of course, you're going to have a lot of people that you know, that don't speak Russian. So landed, it was very cold. Of course, it's the middle of winter. My brother picked me up in right in the airport, right in front of McDonald's, actually. Please <laughs> tell winter. me you did. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Flew all the way there to have McDonald's. There you go. It's a novelty now. There you go. But yeah, we went from there. Uh, we stopped at the store shopping a little bit. But, you know, as soon as I arrived, my world was spinning. I'm not sure about when you went back to Russia, but I didn't sleep probably for the first 24 hours, literally, you know, just up and, and talking to people and listening and hearing things. It's very, and it was very emotional, you know, like as the plane's going down, I got pretty emotional because I was like, there's, there's Russia there's Moscow. I made it. Unfortunately, my American family couldn't come with me due to other circumstances and things like that. So I did go alone. And that sort of brought another sense of like pride. Like I can do this. And, you know, I, I sure I'm alone, but I'm not, you know, I'm being handed off from one mother to another. So I remember my, my mom here, she was like, Hey, to my biological mom, cause they were communicating a little bit and they said, Oh, just here's Ilya, you know, please take care of him. Of course. It was very, very emotional. It was, it was great meeting my, my mother is a whole, a whole nother thing. Uh, that was very, very emotional. And I didn't take any photos or record it because it's a very private thing for some adoptees. And I sort of didn't want to shine like a spotlight. Like I don't need anything like that. That's just sort of how I feel about it. Cause I, I wanted to respect her and I didn't know, you know, all the cultural things and everything like that. Of course, here in the United States, we, you know, we, we a lot of things are recorded and photos are taken and things like that. You know, it's just, it's a different culture. I was very quiet. I, I tried to be, you know, as respectful as I could and, and talk with a quieter voice. <laughs> yeah, well, the, a lot of Russians appreciate the privacy and especially something like uh-huh. that. It's so sensitive that I'm yeah. sure your mother over there wouldn't want the world to hear about why she gave up this child and all this. Right. It's from my understanding, what my family told me over there is when you give a child up for adoption, that's like one of the worst things you can do. Like the community judges you, your neighborhood Mm -hmm. judges you and you feel ashamed for a while. And it's sad, but it's good that you got to go over there and they got to see you face to face and be reassured that, you know, he actually is okay. And yeah, he's okay. He's alive. You know, the Russians back when I was adopted in 96, I was, uh, I was told by my family over there that the government at the time was telling them if your child gets adopted by Americans 
they're going to be put into forced labor camps and all. No, I'm dead serious. Yeah. All these crazy. So yeah. they, they honestly believe that it was all for money. Like I was being sold. I, and to this day, the older generation still believes it as much as you can sit in front of them and deny it. They won't believe you. They just, right. mine, mine didn't. <laughs> I mean, it's just something else that you have to, I guess, you know, be respectful about and mindful that they grew up in a different culture. They have their own yeah. opinions, and you know, we right. at least I know you're you're okay. They know you're okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, go, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, you were going to ask a question. Uh, I'd love to keep answering them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, no problem. No, I was going to ask. So, besides having a Big Mac or whatever you had at McDonald's in Moscow, <laughs> what other sites did you see? Did you get Did you get to the Kremlin? Did you go to the Goom? You know, the mall? Did you get free ice cream? Did you go shopping? What did you do? When I first landed, it was New Year's Eve. There was sort of, I came into my mother's apartment after, you know, meeting her and everything like that, trying to put on the right slippers. I'm not sure what that, what's that called in Russian, but you know, they wear slippers and I was trying to find the right sizes and everything and still shaking with adrenaline, (laughs) but they had two turkeys out. And they, of course, the the Jello with the meat. What's that called? Do you you know what I'm saying? Jello with the meat. Like uh-huh. it's a very Russian dish. They actually put Jello with meat. It's plain gelatin, and they put meat in it. I know what you're um, talking about, but I'm honestly blanking right. on the name. That's okay. And I had caviar for the first time. Like, sort of a luxury over here. And I was thinking, like, I I guess it is for them too. It's just they have sort of more of it, or they're more accustomed to it. So I got to have that for the first time. Pl- plenty of bread and butter and adult beverages. Uh, yep, I know what you're I'll talking let, about. Yep. Yes. <laughs> so um, it's no secret. Don't worry. The whole right. world, the whole world knows it. It's fine. All right. So, but we celebrated New Year's. We counted down in Russian, of course, and <laughs> it was very strange to me because I kept trying to remind myself, you know, I'm not in the United States for the first time. I'm having New Year's in a whole other country with a whole another family that speaks a whole different language. So it just kept blowing my mind. I I was sort of like that kid in the candy store with the big eyes, looking around, trying to absorb as much as I could. That's awesome. Did your family watch Putin address his New Year's greeting? Yes, address the nation. We sat down and we watched it. It's on every television. You know, I couldn't understand. uh, I understood, you know, a couple words here and there, but putting sentences together is a little difficult for me. And they would talk and chat. And during this whole time, they would call friends and they were calling family and they were video chatting. And I got to say hi to some people that I think were friends of my mother, distant relatives and stuff like that. So there was just so much to absorb. Fireworks were going off constantly outside. They might not be as legal as uh, here in the United States. You know, I watched uh, some younger Russians, we'll say, just right in the middle of the street, and they would set them off, and they wouldn't really go that straight. <laughs> sort of go all over the courtyard. and But, it, I mean, it was great. Being there for the New Year, they celebrated bigger than Christmas. Like, sort of, it's like how we have Christmas here is how they would have it there on New Year's. I was actually there, too, for Russian Christmas there. On their calendar day, on is it January seventh, seventh or sixth? Yeah. yeah, one of those days. Six or this? Oh gosh, we're super. I know we we're got, we're terrible. So, <laughs> we got. I think it's the seventh because um, that was the last day I was there. Of course, I went to the Red Square throughout that week, and and we went for walks and uh, went out to the shopping malls and stuff like that. 
But uh, I got to go to midnight mass uh, for the Christmas and go to a tiny little church and light some candles and a few of the 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 ladies there that like nuns in a way they gave me a necklace and they blessed it and they said oh write down the names of your relatives that are here on this earth and and relatives who have passed and this is what this necklace represents and i said wow that's that's a really great thing you know it's a lot of old (laughs) traditions in that country that i respect greatly it's rich of culture and values and it it does blow you away if you're not used to that you know we're coming from the united states where you have so many different cultures so many different people and then you're in a you know six thousand miles literally across the world and you're standing in this itty bitty church and yet they're doing something so meaningful and so deep and it's you can feel like the raw emotion and it's just Mm -hmm. it's it's unbelievable yeah so i definitely i cherish that necklace a lot and and I just would, I was holding it and just thinking of, you know, now I have, I have an American family and I was thinking of my sister here in the United States and saying, man, this represents her and my biological sister. It's just, it's so great. So, you know, just to have something little like that, that only costs a few rubles really means the whole world to me because to them, it's like, oh, it's a little necklace. But I'm like, no, now this represents who I am as a whole. And now I have two families and they and they stay with me close to my heart. That's amazing. Yeah. Did they tell you when you visit again that you better be married or they're going to find you someone? <laughs> my family did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My brother just got married uh, last week to his girlfriend. I think they've been together for about six or seven years. They just had a child, too, in, I think, late May, early, early June. So they sort of wanted to, to get married together they sort of did it by themselves a nice little peaceful quiet ceremony you know not uh, as big as we have it here in the united states and uh, then my brother had his child uh, just a few days ago so i have another niece you know so I, I i haven't gotten photos of that yet but that's very exciting the family grows bigger and i can't wait to see them again we'll find a time to to go see them again it's, but i miss them very very much and i always think of them almost every day it's that's great i mean i'd love to get back there too eventually Mm -hmm. and we'll just have to see what happens with everything going on over there but i know it's such a great country in a lot of ways and just being there it's always something that's going to be special to us Mm -hmm. in our own way and i think that's really unique and it's something we can pass on and it's something really cool really i mean at the end of the day it just shows that no one has a same story so to speak every human Mm -hmm. being in the world has something unique about them everyone's unique that's what makes the world so great and Mm -hmm. i think now we need a lot of positivity because we need it now (laughs) i just have a final question for you with your entire story your experience about adoption and everything what would you say was the most positive outcome of your adoption most positive outcome of my adoption that's a great question i think you know, being adopted, it's something special. It's, it's uh, not everyone is adopted and, and goes through all these emotions and everything. I think it's important to, to sort of, you know, find who you are and, and sort of get your own identity with being adopted. And I'm just grateful that, that I sort of get to explore who I am sort of completely, you know, from a, you know, born in one country and raised in a completely different 
country and and yet being adopted i sort of get to sew those together and and find sort of inner peace or or more meaningfulness about who i am and discover who i am so i think being adopted is like you get to make your own identity and it's a lot more complex than maybe other situations or the average uh, american for example you know so but i think just being adopted you got you have families on either side of the world all over the world that love you very much and even though they're from two different maybe viewpoints or cultures or societies that they both get to love you as a one person and as a whole it's a great question it's, i don't know how to exactly word it but it's, you know that's sort of what i would explain the as the best as the best answer <laughs> it was a good answer and my last you know. question for you and final question is mm-hmm. what piece of advice from an adoptee to any other adoptee who is going to listen to this podcast and listen to your mm-hmm. story what piece of advice do you want to leave with them i always say we had an adoption reunion with russians in niagara falls in 2023 I, I, all these younger kids who are the last group of Russian adoptees, at least, I said, you know, I want you to be proud of who you are, no matter where you're from, what situation you're in. I just want you to know that you're important and that you matter. And no matter what you're going through, just be proud of who you are and who your culture is and accept yourself. And you got to love yourself a lot. Being adopted, it's it can be a struggle at times and a lot, and a lot of people don't see it or you don't express it all the time. So I always would keep saying it, not only to Russian adoptees, but to any sort of adoptee, is that you got to be proud of yourself and who you are and you love yourself and accept yourself. So, you know, along the lines of that, definitely still discovering about myself and everything like that. It's quite a journey, quite a road, you know. That's yeah. great. Elio, thanks for stopping by. Of course, of course. We really appreciate it, and your story is touching, and people are going to be very excited to hear it. Really, thank you for stopping by. If you ever want to come back on and give us any updates, we're always here. Of course. Thank you very much for having me, and yeah, I I definitely love to. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. That was another episode of Voice of Adoptee. You can hear Ilya's story being released in a couple of weeks. We release new episodes every Wednesday morning. If you want to be a guest on our show, you can go to www.voiceofadoptees.com. We're featured on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google, Amazon, and pretty much every podcast possible, including Spotify. Have a great evening. Thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you next time. Voice of Adoptees. Who am I? Thanks for listening to Voice of Adoptees. Please take a moment to like, subscribe, and leave a review. See you next time.